Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on Kaya FM 95.9. o'clock. A very good evening to you. Welcome to My Money and Me. Coming up on the show today, the South African Reserve Bank cuts the repo rate again. It's good and bad news, but it is a direct response to COVID-19. We look at how this rate affects us. Young professionals are dipping into their bank accounts to help relief efforts. We find out more and Dr. Bandile Masuku, a Gauteng Health MEC, joins me later. He's talking COVID-19 all day this evening. He's been kind enough to share his money journey with us this is my money and me let's get into it my money and me with sumitra naidu every tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m kaya fm 95.9 so the Reserve Bank surprised us with another rate cut today when the announcement entered my mailbox. I had to do a double take. Now, usually, you know, the bank has its dates for the MPC meeting way in advance. That's a monetary policy committee meeting. Um, this meeting happens every two months. And uh, then the MPC uh, makes a decision on what it needs to do with rates. You will remember the bank had its last meeting about three weeks ago on the 19th of March. It made a decision to cut rates by 100 basis. Points. It usually has, uh, you know, the bank usually has a press conference and then announces the decision. This time around, it made a decision, then announced it and then held a press briefing. But the governor was clear today this was an emergency cut to deal with the massive impact COVID-19 is having on our economy. My guest this evening is Ndomiso Khadebe, independent economist, and I've also got Gerald Wandiambira, and he is the acting CEO for the South African Savings Institute. Thank you both for joining me this evening. Thanks so much for having us, Sumitra. Ndomiso. Evening, Sumitra. Thanks so much, Gerald. Um, and Dumi, so let's start with you. Um, you know, as I was saying, it's, it's just, you know, uncharted territory, a really different way of doing things for the Reserve Bank. The governor did say in the press briefing later on that um, they don't want to cause speculation. So they did it like this. How important was this rate cut? <laughs> This particular rate cut was um, incredibly important, uh, Sumitra, particularly because it coincided with uh, the very same day that the IMF delivered their own presentation with respect to their world economic outlooks going forward. And according to their own determination, they have found that the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic which was preceded by the U.S. and China trade wars, um, is far worse than what the Great Depression was, according to their own modeling. And so given the impact that South Africa, um, the impact that pandemic has had on South Africa, particularly given that South African businesses are highly integrated with international supply chains, it became quite important to have some kind of liquidity injection in the South African uh, money supply, but also for it to hopefully have a real impact in the real economy in South Africa. The Reserve Bank last week had also released uh, some numbers. They had a research team with respect to the initial job losses that they anticipate, and it was north of 160,000 initial job losses as a result of this pandemic. And so to inject this additional liquidity was quite a necessary um, uh, move, but it should also be supported by other fiscal instruments and also our overall um, reform program and industrial policy program. 
this um, the structural reforms that you talk of, you know, the Reserve Bank governor has been banging on this for, um, I think, the last year or so. At every MPC meeting, he said how important it is. So, yes, it needs to work with that. Um, in terms of the timing of this cut, you did say that it's in, it came in line with the IMF's World um, Economic Outlook. Some economists are saying that this rate cut should have come a little bit earlier. We, it was just three weeks ago since we had the last cut, and we haven't seen this kind of movement, such an aggressive cut, I think, ever. I think those particular sentiments, they came at the backdrop of seeing what other central banks around the globe have been doing. Um, of course, we know that the likes of uh, France, Germany and Japan have negative interest rates and we've seen very aggressive responses from those central banks and we've also seen aggressive uh, responses from the US Fed as well and trying to really be innovative around ensuring that the stimuli that they inject into the market does have an impact on the real economy, particularly for SMEs where in the South African context, over, South Af- over 60% of the South African labor force is employed by the SME sector. So indeed, uh, it was it was sensitized and it was heightened at the backdrop of what um, other interventions that other central banks across the globe are doing. And I think indeed, um, look, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's too little too late, but mm. um, it is welcomed nonetheless. Gerald, let me bring you in here. How important is this for you and me, for the ordinary man on the street? I think for the ordinary man in the street, it's too little too late. Um, I think, you know, the, the impact of the interest rates um, being cut will have obviously, um, will come into effect and largely affect large business and small business in terms of their exposure. Um, in terms of the basic um, purpose of interest rate cuts normally, which is to stimulate economic growth, it will have none. Um, you, as, as my erstwhile colleague just mentioned, job losses are on the horizon. And it doesn't matter if you cut interest rates to zero. If people are not working, they're not going to mm. borrow. They're not going to invest. And they're not going to do the things which normally um, would be used for uh, economic stimulation. So I think for the man in the street, probably it might be a little too late. Um, too little, too late. Obviously, yes, it does help. Let's not lie. It does put money into the uh, into the pockets of every one of us who's got um, an interest-bearing debt. So obviously, we welcome that aspect. But um, the real horror story is is the long-term impact of um, COVID-19 on the economy because essentially um, we had an economy that was um, coasting to a stop and. This kind of put, has put everything, COVID has put everything into reverse. So obviously we're trying to stop the economy going backwards too far so that we can um, regain that momentum. So for the ordinary man in the street, yes, welcome the, the point that people are going to have a little bit extra to spend. But the real scary story is will they have a job um, at the end of all of this? And obviously you on the news I just saw a headline that um, SAA had a 10 billion request um, refused by mm-hmm. government. And mm-hmm. obviously... People have been calling for SAA to be cut off for a while, and COVID is actually going to do it for us. But we don't think about the reality. SAA is real people, people with jobs, people with families, and there's an entire supply chain. So this is just going to add to the misery. Um, and yes, it's good cheer. Interest rates have been cut if you've got a lot of debt. Um, but unfortunately, for, for, the, uh, for the ordinary man in the street, there's so much mm. weighing on him right now. It might be a little bit too late. I suppose, you know, let's, let's look for the positive in there. You mentioned one, you know, this is a good time to clear debt. When we look at, you know, um, 
trying to get through this time. Yes, you're not able to work. Um, if we had normal economic activity, uh, these rate cuts would have been fabulous. Um, it, it would have really stimulated the economy. Of course, that is not the case now. But if you're sitting at home, um, and even if you're not collecting an income, I mean, say, for instance, you have a bond or you, um, you know, you financed a car, um, you could actually hold on. I mean, it's come down to what, 7.75%. That calculation gives you a few hundred bucks back in your pocket. It is a good time to, you know, clear up some of your debt. Definitely, it's a good time for you to review your financial position because um, the, the likelihood that this is the end is, is not going to happen. We saw the presentation on TV yesterday that, you know, the exponential growth and infections are still going to come. So I think, you know, it's, 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 it's a sobering thought that, you know, the interest rates have been cut. I personally am not an economic guru, but I would say there's going to be another one or two rate cuts. We ain't seen nothing yet because the impact of COVID-19 is that you're, we're looking at a global recession. You've got car factories, you've got um, major um, pro- production, which hasn't worked for two to three months in the world. So essentially, you're almost cutting the world's GDP in half and expecting the world to carry on. Let's ask our economic guru. In Dumiso, we had 4.25% on the repo rate, uh, 7.75% on the prime lending rate. Many would say that there's still room for more cuts. If you look at the rest of the world, some of them are near zero interest rates. So indeed, um, with uh, the IMO's uh, report today, according to, to their modeling, they found that for advanced economies, um, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, and of course, even prior to the pandemic itself, there had been a gradual slowing down of the global economy because of the trade or the downside risks with respect to the, the to the trade tensions um, across the globe. Um, and uh, they forecast that the impact will result in a negative 5% or a contraction of 5% in 2020. And for emerging economies or uh, emerging markets like ourselves, um, an aggregated uh, contraction of 1%. But South Africa is quite peculiar because in our modeling, we expect a contraction of between 3 um, and 7%, uh, depending on the severity of the pandemic and how long the lockdown continues and the approach that is taken with respect to which industries would begin to gradually start commencing with operations. But South Africa is quite unique as well because it's one of the most inter- it has one of the most integrated international trade and finance systems in the continent of Africa with the rest mm-hmm. of the world. You mentioned Asia, Europe, and uh, North America, and even South America as well. So we're highly exposed to that. And that's one of the reasons why um, uh, beginning of, of democracy and when deciding what kind of um, uh, exchange rate policy we use, uh, the option was to use the floating exchange rate policy to be able to absorb shocks such as these, which, um, of course, then does have uh, an impact in terms of the, the currency fluctuations in South Africa, which in, in in that particular event would serve good for export-oriented manufacturers. Um, but again, South Africa's economic um, uh, fortunes, or misfortunes rather, have been embedded on the overall structure of the South African economy. If we talk about, for instance, um, the oligopolistic nature of certain industries or most Mm -hmm. industries in the South African economy, or even how this can be an opportunity in terms of reconfiguring how the economy is structured to ensure that employment and wage growth is equitable and inclusive. And we can look at, for instance, the issue of um, the auctioning of spectrum, which was supposed to be done um, earlier this year. Now, I would think that the opportunity 
lives to really change the structure and the texture of the conversation that is had in terms of who this uh, spectrum is auctioned for because we do know that a 10% penetration in broadband co- correlates with a 1% growth in, in, in GDP. So I think it, it, although in the short term the situation is quite dire and quite severe, there's an opportunity for us to really re- redirect the ship um, or the economic ship that South Africa has had over the past couple of years. Gerald, what would you like to see? I mean, the Reserve Bank is also buying up bonds um, to the tune of over 9 billion rand. Um, What else would you like to see from the Reserve Bank? Um, And, you know, the Reserve Bank is calling on um, uh, on the rest of government to actually implement these structural reforms. It's been asking for it for a long time. What is going, um, I suppose it is late, but what can we do to change, change the situation going forward? I think South Africans will never be the same again. Working in South Africa will never be the same. Business is learning that they can embrace technology and still function. Um, obviously, this ha- will change the, the nature of the jobs we have in our market. And um, an unintended consequence of everything is that the RAND is now um, making our goods more affordable in the rest of the world. So you could start seeing manufacturing, which had died in SA, picking up again. And that's where we could pick up some jobs in, in the medium term. So I think in terms of the Reserve Bank assisting the man in the street, they, all they can do is continue to um, work on the interest rate policy. But I think from a government perspective, I think, you know, um, the, the average man in the street who has his savings is concerned because firstly, your pension fund and your life savings um, have been eroded. And, you know, obviously it's unrealized losses at this point in time. But you're concerned about your pension and your investments, which have lost value. And at the same token, you might also have that headache um, of retrenchment. And I think what we need um, to see from government more is direction in terms of how they can actually, you know, bring it down to basics to to assisting the ordinary man in the street. Because I think that's where we're at right now, where people are highly anxious and people want to see decisive action. Um, the, 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 the downside is that, you know, we are in, an, in a world where other bigger economies with, uh, which have the luxury of budget surpluses and huge treasuries can throw and bail out their citizens. Um, our government doesn't have that same luxury at this time. So we, we just have to wait and see how far the government is willing to, to, to assist the man in the street. But that, that's, that's the real conversation for someone who has savings. Uh, my savings have been eroded, my pension has been eroded, mm. and I might not have a job. What's my future? And I think um, we need to quell the anxiety um, on, the, on, on the streets and in the homes of South Africa to say, what next? I think, you know, as my colleague pointed out, the medium and long-term viewpoint is good in that we're going to um, reset the economy effectively and probably come out, come out with a better model. But in the short to medium term, we do need and desperately need that direction. It's as, as much as we're being guided on the health guidelines, we need some financial guidelines as to um, drawing a level playing field, especially, you know, when people have debts and un- unable to service them, etc. Um, once one counterparty starts swinging the next year, a do- domino effect. And effectively, you can't ITC the entire country. Um, we need we need some guidelines as to how we're going to deal with something which is affecting absolutely everyone. And Demiso, the finance minister also uh, released some notes today on what the treasury was going to be doing to help in the situation. 
Um, not many economists um, feel like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's enough. They feel like, you know, we've heard it all. We don't know if it's going to be enough. Is this going to take us through? I'm not too sure if you saw any of those notes today. No, certainly. I think um, most of those notes are, are, are interventions that were already highlighted not mm-hmm. only in last year's budget speech, but in this year's budget speech as well. Um, and so the, the, the proof really becomes in the pudding, and particularly given that we are in very uncertain times and very unusual times. Um, the, 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 whether or not these interventions will work will be dependent on how well they're executed and how well they're also administered um, in, from an implementation perspective. Part of those notes was mentioned um, that, that, that the minister um, uh, pronounced today was, was with respect to the relaxation of the Public Finance Management Act and in certain instances the Municipal Finance Management Act. For me, when I read that, I automatically saw um, uh, audit risk, uh, particularly if we're going to look at it from a corruption perspective, to say, look, we can create all of these interventions and um, um, have uh, fiscal interventions um, to sort of mitigate some of the downside risks that come with this pandemic. But then how do we ensure that even these interventions are administered in a manner that they're able to reach the intended participants, be it transfers, be it programs on the ground to stimulate infrastructure post uh, in a post-COVID-19 economy and even um, reorganizing the, the structure of the South African economy, that then becomes my biggest concern with respect to the implementation of the interventions that were highlighted today by the Minister of Finance. And Demisa, before I let you go, talk to me about the lockdown. So there's so many concerns coming from different quarters, um, you know, uh, even from the financial sector, um, that this lockdown, now that it's been prolonged, um, and we did hear evidence from uh, from the president last week saying that the infection rate has dropped dramatically since the lockdown, so they've decided to extend it. We're looking at numbers going forward and whether this lockdown is going to be extended even further, but many are making the case that it should at least move to a partial lockdown because this economy is practically dying during this time. Unfortunately, Sumitra, that is the reality. Mm. Um, we've seen in China, not in China, pardon me, in France, for instance, where there is a gradual easing of uh, their lockdown. Um, schooling is starting to commence and industries for industries um, are gradually uh, starting to, 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 to commence with productivity with retail being the last one. I think in South Africa's approach, it would have to be unique. And South Africa's approach is... It's, it's a very complex one, particularly if you're going to look at it from the context of over 55% of South Africans live under the upper uh, poverty breadline. Um, how do you ensure that those who are disproportionately affected by this pandemic yeah. are also somewhat cushioned by all of these, whether it be industrial or fiscal or monetary policy measures, mm-hmm. um, to, to really cushion the blow? Because automatically, you also have a correlation between a deteriorating economy and crime as well. We've seen in, in mm-hmm. Harding, for instance, where over 55 schools have been broken into yeah. in uh, very rural mm-hmm. and impoverished communities. So with there's that socioeconomic element or dimension to South Africa's problems that even as we envisage and we craft these solutions, we need to be very conscious and sensitive as to what that means for long-term sustainability and risk of South African mm-hmm. society and our fiscal position and overall economic growth going forward. Got you. Uh, uh, Gerald, last word from you. What are your thoughts? I'm totally in agreement. I think, mm. you know, um, from a medical perspective, the lockdown could probably be extended by another 14, 21 days. 
But from an economic and survival perspective, most South Africans cannot live two months without income. Mm. Um, a large proportion of South Africans are not captured in the formal economy, nor are they earning government grants or not earning government grants or recipients of government grants. Mm. So it's that gap, that middle, which really is feeling the pain. Um, already you've got people protesting about wanting food, etc. And it's those people who do peace jobs, you know, the guys who stand at the street corner who earn uh, 20 to 100, 200 rand a day. Um, they can't earn that money. And we can't, unfortunately, afford as a nation to have a, an extended lockdown. Um, so we, we're going to have to find a balance between the health of the nation as well as, uh, you know, reviving the economy. Um, best case scenario for us right now is that we we exactly have that a partial lockdown things start gradually coming back to life but if we have another extension 14 21 days it's just going to push us deeper in terms of um, finding that recovery in the future thank you so much gentlemen i think uh, we're in agreement um, as ndumisa said you know we uh, have our own issues in south africa and it requires a unique response and government is doing all it can in order to meet that response and, and keep everybody safe gentlemen thanks for your time this evening gerald uh, wandi ambira acting ceo for the south african savings institute and ndumisa khadebe economist rewinding rewinding kaya fm on fm rewind visit kayafm.co.za for more.